0: said, shut the f*** up. I'm trying to record. <laughs> all right. This is Milana Jermaine Jackson, and you're listening to Jester Radio Network. <laughs> 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 just made blooper reel. Hey, this is Tony Valley. Check out all the other shows on Jester Radio Network, but for right now, enjoy Red Card Tackle with Oscar Carvajal. What's up, everyone? This is Red Card Tackle, and we're back with episode 11, the 1978 World Cup, and, you know, and the week of June the 4th. We took a break last week because of um, Memorial Day weekend, but originally it was not planned that way, but it ended up happening. Today, we're going to do it a little differently, because I usually do the intro, then I do the big uh, show in the middle, and then the outro. Today, we're going to record like three different segments the same way, but the first one's going to be a lot longer. Uh all right man I mainly want to focus on, you know the big things I wanna focus on right now is um we're ten days away from the World Cup. I wanna start focus most of the program in the World Cup. Towards the end we might talk a little bit about the Champions League game, the final. Even though uh the game's already a week old, some new news came out today about what happened to the goalie carriers and uh And then we're gonna focus on the 1978 World Cup, but most of the show today is gonna to be about the World Cup. And basically today we're gonna to go over the groups and just give you what do you feel, um, what's been being said about the groups, what's going on today, and I'm gonna give you the two teams that are gonna qualify per group, what I think at least, and tell you what place they're gonna qualify in. So let's um let's jump into it right away. Let's start with um, Group A, right? So Group A we have the host Russia, we have. Saudi Arabia, we have Egypt, and we have Uruguay. And the way they're going to play is going to be right away on June 14th. The first day is going to be Russia versus Saudi Arabia. The next day, you're going to have Egypt versus Uruguay. So that's going to be the first one. Then the second match will be Russia against Egypt, and then Uruguay versus Saudi Arabia. And then finally, the third match will be Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and Uruguay versus Russia. All right. So this is how this group is going to break down. Um, I think Uruguay is the strongest team here. By far the strongest team. This is an easy group. They always give uh, the host nations usually have uh accessible group so they can make it to the next round. Which means that they want Russia to qualify. And so I think Uruguay is going to qualify in first place. Russia is gonna qualify in second place. That's what I believe is gonna happen here. And talk a little bit about Uruguay. And Uruguay, uh, the press is the press is optimistic about the team. There is optimistic. I mean, Uruguay has had a really good team. 2010, we all know they made it to the semifinals, and then finally in 2011, no, 2014. My bad. They only made it to the round of 16 there. But remember that they play without their Without their best player, Suarez. They didn't play in that game. They got eliminated with because he was taken out. Because he attempted to bite Yolini in the shoulder. So, he was taken out. And Suarez was in his prime at that time. So, who knows how far Uruguay would have made it. But they're real... They're real optimistic. The press looks optimistic. I think Uruguay has a really good squad. Next week, we're going to go what I think the round... We're just looking at the group. They have a really good team. They've had pretty much the base of the same team for the last eight years. You know, some of the important players are gone. Like the the top of my head, I could think of Diego Forlán no longer playing. Remember Sebastian Abreu no longer playing, you know, um, Lugano's no longer playing, but they they still have the base. Cavani and Suarez have been with this team the whole time. Um, There's a lot of controversy in Uruguay only because of Federico Valverde, who is a young dude. He's only like 19 or 20 years old who was left out of the squad. He's, Supposed to be the next big Uruguayan superstar, he's actually owned by Real Madrid, but he's on loan with Deportivo La Coruña. He came into some controversy earlier in the year because he said that Messi was better than Ronaldo, and um, and Real Madrid you can't you can't say that shit. So that's the only thing that I heard that Uruguay, the Uruguayan people are mad about that they didn't include him on the squad because they feel like he's the future of Uruguay and he's not on the squad. But Uruguay looks like they're going to win first place. At least that's what I think. Russia, I saw them, the, the most i seen Russia was last year in the Confederation Cup, and they got a weak squad. They have a weak squad when it comes to, like, trying to, like, they're not a contender for the title, but the other two teams they put on, which are Saudi Arabia and Egypt, are even weaker. So, I think Russia is definitely going to get second place in the group. They're doing all right. I remember last year, Mexico beat them. Mexico, like, schooled them. And they, they didn't play good. And they were playing in Russia, too, the Confederation Cup last year. So there's going to be Uruguay and Russia in that group. And then the group, the teams that are not going to qualify, you can put them in any order. You got Saudi Arabia, who is probably the worst team in this World Cup, according to a lot of things that I've read. That's what people say. There's the worst team in this World Cup. They actually changed coaches right before the World Cup. So they changed coaches like in December and November. They they got Pizzi. I don't know if you guys know who Pizzi is. But in case you don't know. He was a he was the coach of Chile. Who, re, who couldn't qualify with Chile. So he had a better team. And he couldn't qualify. And then he, Chile was eliminated. So Saudi Arabia was like. Maybe we can get this guy. And they got them. And a lot of people in Chile are mad. Because they're like. Man the team didn't qualify. So you're supposed to be with us. And not qualify with us. But he's going to the World Cup. And Egypt... Um, Egypt is going to... Also not qualify past the first round. Egypt. Their big hope was Mohamed Salah. And... Uh, which we all saw got injured in the game against... Real Madrid in the final. Liverpool versus Real Madrid. And doctors still say he can come back. Like first... Like, the first doctors that inspected him, which were in Europe and England, they said that he might be able to play the third game, which is against Egypt. So that would have been nice, you know, Salah coming in at least a third game, at least playing. I mean, if it was any other, like, a national squad that had, that wanted to make it, if you can't play the first two games, they don't even bring you to the World Cup because you're just wasting space. But we all know Egypt doesn't have that many players, so they have to bring Mohamed Salah. Plus, Mohamed Salah is very... Like, he's the leader of the group. He's the leader of the team. So he needs to be in the World Cup. But now I heard today that doctors in Egypt. So these are different doctors. They're saying he can play the whole World Cup. I don't know. If he's, if he's really that injured, I don't know how they're going to do it. But Mohamed Salah might play injured the first two games. So that was group A. Now let's go to group B where we have interesting more group. Um, we have Portugal, the European champions. We have Spain. We have Morocco. And we have Iran. Um, so let me let me give you their matches real quick. Um, they play on Friday, the 15th of June. Morocco versus Iran and Portugal versus Spain. Right away, the first games. Um, then they play the second games on the 20th. Portugal versus Morocco. And then Iran and Spain also play the 20th. And the third games are... The 25th Iran versus Portugal and Spain versus Morocco. I think this is easy. You guys can see what's gonna happen here. Um, definitely Spain and Portugal should be the ones that qualify, right? I don't think Morocco and Iran could do anything against those two teams. Now, who's gonna get first place? I think Spain's gonna get first place. I, th- I think Spain has a better team. I don't think Portugal has a good enough team to be over Spain, but who knows, right? Who knows for two reasons. One, that's what I said about Portugal in the 2016 Euro, in the European Championship, Euro Cup, and then Portugal ended up winning the whole thing. Plus, they have Cristiano Ronaldo. Plus, it's only that game that they have to win. So, and it's the very first game. So, I don't know if you guys know this about the World Cups, but the very first games are the ones that the coaches work on for like months, like they that's the game that they focus on for like months so if it's a tight game Cristiano Ronaldo can make a difference and win that game but I think still think Spain's gonna win the first place and Portugal is gonna get second place not much more to say about Morocco and Iran I don't think they have any chances of passing in that group now let's go to the group C all right we're gonna take a break right now and when we come back we'll look at group C Hey, this is Tony Valley. And I'm David Gavry. And we host a podcast called Jacking Off with Tony Valley, where every week we interview poker players and game runners about the ins and outs of the underground world of poker. And we discuss strategy, philosophy, and other topics. You can listen to us on the Jester Radio Network every Thursday at 9 a.m. at jackkingoff.com, or you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. All right, everyone, we're back from our break. Um, we're going to move in into the World Cup like we were talking about. This is a red card tackle. This is week, episode 11, week of June the 4th in the 1978 World Cup. And so We we're, were left off on Group C and uh, Group A and B, just to recap the two teams per World Cup that are going to pass are very obvious. Group C is the first group that I feel where the second place is not very obvious. I think uh, France is very obvious right away um, to qualify. Now, let's go through the games real quick just so you can see the order that they're going to play in. On Saturday, you're going to have, Saturday the 16th, you're going to have France versus Australia and Peru versus Denmark. Then you're going to have, they're going to play their second game on 6:21, which is Denmark against Australia and France versus Peru. And then the third game will be on the 26th, which is Australia versus Peru and Denmark versus France. Now, I think second place is tough to, second place is very tough to be here. But if I had to bet, I'm going to give it to Denmark. I'm sorry. No, no. I thought about it again. I mean, I thought about it again. This is hard to think. I'm gonna go give it to Peru. Is it Peru or Denmark? Alright, Peru or Denmark. We're gonna go officially. The official one's gonna be Peru because I I just don't like how Denmark's been doing and the friendly games. But first of all, we're all friendly games. And Peru, um France obviously has the the one of the best teams when it comes to just roster. We'll see how good they play as a team. But as a roster, France has a lot of really good players. Peru, who um, the whole the whole Pablo Guerrero thing was settled last week where he could finally play the World Cup. You know? In case you don't know what happened to Pablo Guerrero, and, and, um, he apparently inhaled some cocaine on, in October, right before uh, Peru was facing Argentina, a game which Peru tied, by the way. And nobody really knows what happened. The most, what I think happened from all the stories you hear Was that he did. He was out partying and he inhaled some cocaine. They were only going to test two players per team. So, out of 23, it was random according to them. And so, I'm sure um, Pablo Guerrero was like, they're not going to test me, right? So, he was chilling with a girlfriend that he had in Argentina. And he, he took some cocaine and then they tested him a month later. FIFA originally gave him a year and a half. As a punishment, then they reduced it to six months, which meant that he was uh this was in November, which means that he was gonna be spending from November. He plays for in a Brazilian team. I forget which one right now, but he plays in a Brazilian team, which means he was not gonna play from November to May. He's gonna be good for the World Cup. But then somebody went to like uh uh the I don't know what they're calling English, but the 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 letters in Spanish are T-A-S, Tas. So that's what, that's what I'm gonna use, that word I'm gonna use for describing a uh, tas which is the sporting federation that regulates like drugs and sports for all the for all the sports leagues in the world except for the American, except for like the NBA, NFL, and MLB and those whatever. The reason they don't get that because everybody in the NFL and the MLB is on steroids, so they don't want to get that involved. But they regulate the Olympics and they regulate the World Cup balls and other things like that. So they like no, like this suspension is a should be a eight a year suspension at least so paulo guerrero was gonna miss the world cup and paulo guerrero by the way he's been playing for the peruvian national team for like 15 years the first world cup he was ever gonna be in so this was kind of a sad story in that way that he was gonna get left out of the world cup but it was his fault for doing cocaine right like it, it was his fault he tried to pass it off as some tea with coca leaves or some shit but the truth came out and then um But I still don't think he shouldn't get banned from the World Cup because this is his dream, his his last chance. So everybody else thought the same thing. The captains of the teams, of the French team, the Australian team, and the Denmark team, they signed like a letter saying he should play. So FIFA decided that they're going to postpone his punishment. So when the World Cup's over, he's going to get He's going to do the remaining 8 months of his sentence. But he's going to play the World Cup. He scored 2 goals in a friendly game yesterday. So I think Peru will take that 2nd place. Denmark and Australia. They're both good teams. They can both fight for that 2nd spot. It's not going to be like a big shock if either Australia or Denmark pass. But as of right now, I'm going to give Peru the pass in 2nd place. France will be 1st place. Now Group D is Argentina, Iceland, Croatia, and Nigeria. And they're going to play the following way. The first game they're going to play on the Saturday, the 16th also. Um, They're going to play Argentina against Iceland. And then Croatia against Nigeria. The second game is going to be until the 21st also. Argentina versus Croatia. And then Nigeria and Iceland are going to play the following day on the 22nd. The third game they have they have to play all the third games at the same time at the same day, so it's gonna be the twenty sixth. Nigeria versus Argentina, Iceland versus Croatia. Now I'm gonna choose number one, Argentina, just because they have the best player in the world, and not only that, but they have some really good players. You know, they don't have a good team, but they have some really good players. Uh, Higuain is his last chance to do something. Uh, Mascherano same way. Messi is still young enough where he can go to the next World Cup. is actually. Also, young enough, he go to the next World Cup, I don't think he would go to the next World Cup already because he's a forward. And there's a lot of forwards in Argentina. Mm-hmm. Dybala, maybe play starter, maybe not. People are trying to see if they can fit him in. So, I think that's a lot of talent. And then they got an easy group. Not an easy group, but they're better than all those teams. I think Argentina's going to make it to the next round. Second place, I'm going to give it to Croatia. Just because of they got you know, Rakitic, Modric, Mansukic. Really good players. I think they're going to take it. Iceland. Everyone likes Iceland because there's a country of 300,000 that have done great things. But I don't think Iceland is going to be able to make it past this round. Same thing with Nigeria. I'm not really liking the African teams in this World Cup. They don't seem to have teams like they did eight years ago when they had Ghana and Code d'Ivoire where they look really strong. I don't think the African teams look that strong in this World Cup. Move to Group E. Um we got Brazil, Switzerland, Costa Rica and Serbia. They're going to play the following way. They're going to play on Sunday the 17th the first game, Brazil versus Switzerland. And then they're on and then Costa Rica against Serbia is going to be the, actually the first game, but well, same day. Costa Rica against Serbia. That's, that's going to be Sunday the 17th. And on the 22nd you're going to have Brazil versus Costa Rica and then you're going to have Serbia versus Switzerland later on that day. And then the last day they're going to play is going to be on the, I believe it's going to be on the 27th and they're going to play, you know, Brazil It's going to play Serbia and Costa Rica is going to play Switzerland. That's how it's going to be. Sorry, I couldn't even find that. Information that I had written down. Uh, yeah. That's, that's going to be that. I think the favorite. Brazil. Neymar came back. Scored a really good goal. That was a really good goal. If you look at that fucking goal. That was a really good goal. Brazil's back. Brazil's got this group one. Second place. I'm going to give it to Costa Rica. You know. I was talking. I was seeing some people shit on. The CONCACAF today. And. I'll talk about Mexico. In the next group right now. But. I'm going to tell you this. The CONCACAF is garbage. It's very garbage. But. Costa Rica and Mexico are good teams. They, Costa Rica and Mexico are better than most of the teams in Europe. Of course, they're not better than the elites, than Germany, than France and Spain. But Costa Rica is not a, Costa Rica, I got, and you're going to see in this world cup if I'm right or not. They got two middle table teams in Europe, like Switzerland and Serbia in the same group. I think Costa Rica is better than them. I think they proved in the last world cup, that Costa Rica is not a pushover. And although the, Concacaf is garbage right now. Costa Rica and Mexico are good teams. I think Costa Rica is gonna make it to the next round. That's my prediction for Group E. Group F, finally, the group that I'm probably gonna focus on the longest is because Mexico's on there. It's gonna be Germany, Mexico, Sweden, and South Korea. The first game right away is the 17th. Germany's gonna play Mexico, and then. On the 18th, Sweden is gonna play South Korea. So they play one day apart. And then the play Mexico plays on the 23rd again versus South Korea. And that same day, Germany plays Sweden. Finally, the, the last game, I believe, is the 27th. They're both gonna play at the same time. It's gonna be Mexico versus Sweden. Germany is gonna play. South Korea, so that's how the group is gonna end up. Now, number one, I'm gonna give it to Germany, but Germany did something this morning that I felt that surprised me a lot, and it surprised me because they left um, Leroy Sané out of the World Cup squad. I had him in my, I, I, not only did I have him on the squad, but I had him in the starting lineup, and Osorio, the Mexican coach. Had him in the starting lineup too. And I I, I never spoke to Osorio before. I just learned of this today too. So me and Osorio think alike in that part at least. I I had him in the starting lineup. He was the one that worried me the most. Because he was super quick. Like who's going to guard him on the right side? Because all of Mexico's right defenders are bad right now. I'll talk about that right now. But let's go back to Germany. So they left Leroy Sané out. Super talented player. If Leroy Sané was a... An, from any other of the 31 countries, he would be starter in the World Cup team. Second, if Leroy Sané wasn't German, if he was from any of the Latin American countries, and they were to leave him out the squad, it would be like a big ass controversy. The if it was he like if he was Mexican, they would have left him out of the squad. They probably would have fired Osorio right now. Like I don't know, like it's like it's or if, he, not even Mexican, but if he's not in Mexico, like he's Argentinian, if he was Brazilian, like even those teams, like. This goes to show how the German team works. It's not a big deal in Germany. In in Germany, they try... um, They trust, I mean, they trust Joachim Lowe, who's been the coach for the last three World Cups... Two World Cups, my bad. He was assistant coach at the World Cup before that. And they already renewed him for the next World Cup. So he's going to do at least four World Cups in his career. And that was the most troubling thing because this is... Leroux Sané's a young guy. He's 22. That means he's going to be around for the next World Cup. So nobody knows if this is... they. The coach just came out and said that he felt that he wasn't giving it his best. I don't know. Maybe he was just being cautious. Maybe he he has some beef with the coach. Nobody knows. But the thing is that Leroy Sané is not going to the World Cup. As a Mexican soccer fan, I am super happy that Leroy Sané is not going to the World Cup because it was a nightmare to think who was going to guard him. Not only that, but also uh, after eight months... Manuel Neuer, who I do think is the best goalie in the world, came back and he um, he had a couple saves. He didn't cause any errors to for goals against them. Germany lost against Austria, by the way. But he, some people said they didn't see him that confident. That's normal. He have not played soccer for eight months. But it is believed that Manuel Neuer is also going to be a starter in the World Cup. Having Ter Stegen had a really good season in Barcelona, but even that wasn't enough. And I do think Manuel Neuer is a better goalkeeper, but. If it, I was a coach, I maybe would have put in Ter Stegen just because Manuel Noria hasn't played in eight months. But like I said, Germany does things differently. Joaquin Lowell, since he won the World Cup last time and he did a good job the four years before, he has the trust of the German people, the trust of the German federation, and he makes decisions like that. Like, I, I don't think in any other country you could not play for eight months and then come back and be automatically the starting goalie. But that's what's going to happen with... Uh, that's what's going to happen with Manuel Neuer now. Germany is going to win first place. I think Mexico is going to win second place. Sweden looks doesn't look that good. I mean, let's not underestimate Sweden either, though, because they did eliminate the Netherlands because they first place was France in their group. Second place was Sweden. Third place was Netherlands. So Sweden made it to the next round to play Italy for the like the playoff to the is called in Spanish. And Sweden beat Italy 1-0, and then they held a 0-0 at home. So, they beat Italy in 180 minutes 1-0. So, Sweden, I'm not underestimating them, but I don't think they're that strong. South Korea is has always had, like, fast teams, and they in the 2010, they got past the first round. So, I, you can't underestimate South Korea either, but I think Mexico got this. Now, Mexico is, uh, I think they're going to make it past the round of sixteen. Like If I wasn't Mexican, I would still think the same thing, but I would definitely think that Mexico is going to get second place. But since I am Mexican, I do have hope and I do want Mexico and I believe that we could probably tie or even beat Germany and take the first place. I've never seen a Mexican team with this many good people on top. You know, we we always have to play with one or two forwards because we never had that many good forwards. But we have Chucky on one side, on the other side, Bela and Tecatito. One of them is going to play, the other one's not. But even if one doesn't play, we got one of them coming off the bench. In the center, we have Chicharito, Raul Jimenez. I personally prefer Raul Jimenez, but Chicharito plays. Chicharito scores goals. Um... Oriya Peralta is getting old, but even Oriya Peralta, you know, he hustles. So we have good people on top. And Giovanni scored a goal this weekend. I personally think he's been, he's garbage the last year and a half. But you never know, he could pull off a play one day. We have very good offensive team. But my biggest fear is we don't have a defender. We don't have, we have central defenders covered out. Because right now, um, the way it looks like, Hugo Ayala and Carlos Arcedo are in really good shape. So we, we have the center defense cover-up. And Héctor Moreno is coming off an injury. If he starts, Héctor Moreno is a world-class player. I personally don't think he should start just because he's coming off an injury. But that's up to Osorio to decide, on to me. But I like Héctor Moreno. He had a really good World Cup last time. I feel it should be Carlos Arcedo and Hugo Ayala. That's what I feel. But even even if Hugo Ayala... Uh, even if, um, my bad, if... Hector Moreno plays, he's, he's still good. Two of those three are still good, right? And then um, I can't believe they got rid of Alanis, by the way, because he was the only other natural lefty on the, in the center defense, but he had to get rid of somebody, right? My problem is on the sides because the only confident dude on the sides that I am, that has my confidence is Layun, and he can't play on both sides, you know? In the same game, I mean, like he could play on the left, he could play on the right. But then if he plays on the left, which I feel is his strongest side, who are you going to put on the right? Because the options are Edson Alvarez, who I love him as a player, but I don't think he's a right defender. I think any good player with a lot of speed could take him. Diego Reyes is the other alternative. Same thing. I don't like him on the right side. The other alternative is you play Hector Moreno, Sarah Carlos Arcelo on the inside and you play Carlos Arcelo on the outside. Same thing. We got really slow players on the right side. We don't have a right defender. So what, you, what can you do? You can do Miguel Ayun on the right side then, and then you lose their best left defender to put him on the right side. Who you got to put on the left side? The only one you got now is um Gallardo from Pumas and... He likes to go up a lot. Like, I, I'm not saying Gallardo's not good, but Gallardo does not. I don't think his best qualities are just staying put and being in the defender, you know. So that's where I think Mexico's weakness is, is that we don't have two players that can play on the outside and the defense. That's where I think we're wrong. Hopefully, I'm wrong. Hopefully, Osorio has a secret plan of his mind. But that's where I, I think um, that we're wrong. Now, Osorio had a list of 28. The first one that was cut off was Néstor Araujo. He was injured. He never recuperated. Understandable. Plus, Ugo Ayala's in great shape, like I said. So it was. I kind of knew they were gonna cut him off just because, like, Ugo Ayala's in great shape. We don't need Néstor Araujo right now. He was never a player that I like that much. So I'm glad they cut him out. Then Jurgen Dam, same thing. By the way, I forgot to mention Aquino earlier. We were mentioning forwards. We have already Aquino. We already have the like, people that could do what he does. We have Aquino. We have Bella. We have Tecatito, We got Chucky. We got players on the sides. Jurgen Damm is a fine player, but he's not a right defender, and he's not better than the other ones on top. So, good Jurgen Damm, good cut. So good cut. What was it? They cut. They cut um Molina, which surprised me. They took him in the first place. Uh, his is a little tougher because. It's a little tougher because even if they... Even if I don't... I'm not a big fan of Molina. I think he's a good enough player that he could play Contencion. We don't have one. We don't have a center midfielder. So I felt like he wasn't going to get caught. Now we have Eric Gutierrez now still in there, but I was playing the Gutierrez thing right now. But I was surprised Molina got cut. But Molina got caught. And Alani, same thing. I was surprised just because of his... Just because he's a lefty on the defense. I was surprised, but... Alanis got cut. So then that left 24 players in Mexico. And today in the morning, it came out that they cut Eric Gutierrez, which was expected because he was still in there. But they cut Eric Gutierrez. But even though they cut Eric Gutierrez, he's still traveling with the team, training with them because they're still not 100% sure that both Guardado and Diego Reyes are going to come back. So they still might cut Because they they have till 24 hours before their game in case they're injured. They can still cut one of them. Which I feel like if they're not ready now, cut one of them already, you know? Diego Reyes is the one. Guardado, If between Diego Reyes and Guardado, I will keep Guardado. Diego Reyes hasn't played center midfield in a really long time, you know? Like, keep Eric Gutierrez and center midfield instead. We don't need. Fucking Diego Reyes. And he, I know he likes him on the right side. But I just explained. Diego Reyes is slow on the right side. We don't need Diego Reyes. I would, if it was me. I would just cut Diego Reyes now. The way it looks like. Eric Gutierrez is going to go. And they're going to end up cutting him. Hopefully. Diego Reyes is in top shape. But you're going to bring an injured guy. To play the best team in the world. Germany. When you in in the position he doesn't play. When you have someone who's healthy, 100% in shape, and who plays that position, right? Like, I don't know what is doing. I think this is the best offensive team Mexico's ever had, probably that, that since I've been watching soccer. The weakest defensive team since Mexico, since I've seen Mexico, but it's not that weak. It's just we don't have one of the guys on the outside that's good. But between Diego Reyes and Eric Gutierrez, I do think Diego Reyes is better. But there's not much difference, dude. I would rather choose a healthier Eric Gutierrez. But I think Mexico still has enough to qualify to the next round. Mexico still has enough to qualify to the next round. So, And I just want to finish up the point I was making earlier about CONCACAF. I was talking to this one guy earlier and he was saying the CONCACAF is garbage. He's like, there's 10 teams in Europe that didn't qualify that are better than anybody in the coca right? And I had to school them because, you know, I can't just allow people to be talking stupid nonsense like that. And there's people who think that Europeans are the best ever and there's nobody the best ever. You know, there's certain countries that are like Germany and Spain and France are really good right now. But other than that, Mexico is better than most of the European countries. Historically, we've always, in the past 25 years, we've been better than European countries. Just real quick, I'll give you a, a synopsis of Mexico in the last twenty-four years. In the last World, nineteen ninety-four, we were in a group with three European countries. We were it was Ireland, it was Norway, it was Italy. We lost against Norway. We beat Ireland and we tied Italy, and we ended up in first place in that group. We beat these European teams. You know, we beat them in nineteen ninety-eight. We were in a group with Belgium and the Netherlands. I'm just gonna—I'm just I mean the European teams. We tied Belgium and we tied the Netherlands. None of None of the. This Netherlands team went all the way to the semifinals and they tied us. In 2002, we shared a group with Croatia and Italy, and we beat Croatia and we tied Italy. You know these European teams are not better than Mexico in the World Cup. 2006 was the only time that we did lose against a European team in a group, which was we lost against Portugal 2-1. That's the section and the exception. In 2010, we were in a group with France, you know. France was always one of the elite teams and we beat them 2-0. In 2014, everybody was talking about Modric, Mansukic, Rakitic, whatever do. We still beat Croatia 3-1 and we made it to the next round eliminating them. Mexico's not afraid of these European teams. Mexico is better than most European teams at the World Cup. Mexico the only teams that are better than Mexico in the World Cup European teams are Germany Spain, and France. Those are the only three teams in Europe that are better than Mexico. Those are the only teams. And you know what? Mexicans can still probably tie Germany in a game. I got that. Now, you got teams like Belgium. You got teams like England. And I might even throw Poland in there. They're about the same level as Mexico. I'm not saying Mexico's better than them. I'm not saying they're better than Mexico. But we just played Belgium in Belgium with all their superstars in November. And they couldn't beat us. They couldn't beat us. You know what I'm saying? Like... You got to stop. CONCACAF is garbage, but it's not like... How can I say this? It's not like... Europe is the best. South America is second. CONCACAF is third. Africa's fourth. You know, it, it doesn't work that way. No, you got the, some teams in Europe that are better. Some teams in Africa that are better. Some teams in Asia that are You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't work that way. It's just like... Every team in Europe is better than every team in CONCACAF. That's not the way soccer works. That's not the way anything works. Mexico right now is better than like 45 European teams out of like 53. And like only like three of them are better than Mexico. Mexico Mexico's the same level as the other five. So I just want to keep that clear to our listeners. Mexico, not just Mexico, but Costa Rica too. You have teams like Colombia. You have teams like Uruguay. Those teams are not inferior to England or to Belgium. I'll tell you it right now, even though we always hype up more the European teams. And that's where I am where I want to talk about group F. Let's move on to Group G. You have Belgium, Panama, Tunisia, and England. First game is Monday on the 618. Belgium plays Panama. And then Tunisia plays England that same day. <laughs> Belgium plays Tunisia on the 23rd. And England plays Panama on the 24th. And then they play again on the 29th. England, Belgium this time. And then Panama and Tunisia. Now, even though I said the CONCACAF, Panama is a garbage team from the CONCACAF. Panama is the garbage team. Panama is not going to make it. Neither is Tunisia. This is Belgium and England's group. It's a pretty weak group. I think... Right now, right now, right now. I think England is going to have a really good team for 2022. But right now, right now, I do think Belgium is going to get first place. And England is going to get second place. Group H, we got Poland, we got Senegal, we got Colombia, we got Japan. We got um, first match, Colombia versus Japan on the 19th. And then Poland versus Senegal on the 19th also. Match number two is going to be... Japan versus Senegal on the 24th, and then Poland versus Colombia also on the 24th. And then for the final match, we're gonna have Poland versus um, Japan. and Colombia go on the last match um, this was easy also I think Colombia is going to get first place Colombia has a good squad they're going to get first place and Poland is going to get second place and Japan Japan else has strong teams so they might compete against Poland but I still, I'm still gonna give it to Poland, and then Senegal is, I don't think, has any strong teams. So that's my prediction for the group stages next week. I'm gonna tell you what the knockout stages I think are gonna look like. That's a little more unpredictable because that all depends on if you got the first ones right or not. But that, that, so that's what we're talking about at the World Cup today. Now, before uh, we move to the 1978 World Cup, I want to talk about um. The Champions League match—it's uh, already a week old, so I don't really—I'm not gonna get into details about the match. Everyone knows what happened. Um, Real Madrid, Liverpool, Liverpool came out playing really good. Uh, minute twenty something, Sergio Ramos was pulling on Salah's hand, and he fell. He fell a little awkward. He separated his like neck from his shoulder, or whatever, and. He couldn't play the rest of the game anymore. Same thing happened to um, Carvajal later on that game, but he's not as important. As soon as Salah left the match, you could tell Liverpool, like their spirits went down. Real Madrid started dominating. Not not that much, but Real Madrid did play better the whole game. But the big, the big thing was that the goalie fucked up. First goal, the goalie hands it right to Benzema. Goalie error number one, right? Goal 1-0. Um, Liverpool end up um, tying the game. They wanted it. As soon as Real Madrid scored the first goal, Liverpool won a tie. and a tie in the game. Second goal, Gareth Bale comes in. Gareth Bale was benched. He scores one of the best goals that I've ever seen in a Champions League final. Amazing goal one. Um, bicycle kick goal. I think that's how you say it, Chilean in English. Bicycle kick go. Ramo winning 2-0. What happens next? Gareth Bale takes a shot from far away. A shot that looked easy. Like, I'm not saying it was a weak shot. Because it wasn't a weak shot. And it wasn't a... Like, like ball did move in mid-air. But it still should have been no problem for the goalie. What happens? The goalie grabs it wrong. And he throws it in his own net. And with that one, they sealed the match. It was 3-1... Real Madrid won. Champions League was over. What happens? Everybody blames these two things. Uh, Um, Carius, the goalie, was number one reason. He even apologized to Liverpool public at that moment. I mean, uh, Liverpool public is a good, is they're good fans. Liverpool's fans are really good fans because, like, the thing about Liverpool is that they don't have many fans that are not actual fans. Like Real Madrid in Spain, like. They have like fans like in fucking Guatemala and Mexico and Colombia and stuff like that, you know. So they're they're fans, but from far. Liverpool fans, for the most part, they're all in Liverpool, England, for the most part. Like they're fans that travel from England. So it was a, uh, they're real fans. So they forgave him, but I'm still like, the way I'm looking at this goalie is, you know, if he if he's gonna if he's gonna choke on the most important game of his career, I can see why Germany didn't take him to the World Cup. But, like he shouldn't be playing in the, in these type of level of games, right? Other thing everybody blamed it on, Sergio Ramos fouling Mohamed Salah. The, do I think that Sergio Ramos tried to injure him? No, I don't think Sergio Ramos tried to injure him. But he was pulling him. But th- th- sorry, that's normal in the soccer game. It's not normal to get injured, but it's normal. The way he was pulling him, I think, is normal in the soccer game. And then Cristiano Ronaldo was unhappy, you know. Well, Cristiano Ronaldo, he wasn't the highlight of the game. Gareth Bale was, so he tried to, like, steal the... People's attention by saying that he didn't know if he was gonna end there. Um, it looks like he's gonna stay in Real Madrid, he just wants a higher salary, that's all he's trying to play about. So that that was that's what happened that weekend. What happens on Friday? On Friday, Sinedine Sidan quits. He quits the team after winning three straight Champions League, three straight seasons, two and a half to be exact, but he was there for three different seasons three straight champions leagues he won i think one league and and I, I think he won two fifa club world cups or something like that and then he won like these other ones that they played uh, uh, the the campeón de campeones won um, when you played the manchester united he played and he beat them and he played barcelona and he beat them when uh, you played the league winner against the cup winner and uh well, for Europa League, when there is a Champions League, or whatever, right? So he he won like nine trophies. I mean, I don't really care about the nine trophies. The important ones are that he won the three Champions Leagues and the one league. So he, those four trophies are the important ones. He leaves, and it's just speculating. You know, how can he leave when he um won three times straight? You know that. I mean, he had to. I'm not saying he had to leave, but. They never gave him the trust that they gave Mourinho. Mourinho would make, like, sign this guy, don't sell this guy, sell that guy. Mourinho ran the club. Sidan, they never gave him that. And he won more than Mourinho did. And it, so they I felt like Sidan felt felt that. You know, right now, Sidan always defended Benzema. They wanted to sell Benzema already. He didn't want to. He wanted to bring Pogba. They didn't bring him Pogba. So, And then they're bringing him players that he's not even asking for. They also, you know, so Bale also wants to play more. He doesn't want to stay there. Sidan stays there. A lot of people like to talk shit about Sidan that he's not good tactically or whatever. I mean, he he won three times straight, and Real Madrid always played better than their opponents. He might not be offensive, like flashy, like UC Guardiola, stuff like that, or even Jurgen Klopp from, from Liverpool, but he he gets the job done. I think he's a really good coach, and he's since he was, he was so good as a soccer player, Like superstars and like especially teams like in Real Madrid, they always talk shit to the coaches because they're superstars. But when they look at Zidane, they look at Zidane and like, yeah, I'm a superstar, but this guy was better than me. Even Cristiano Cristiano Ronaldo is like, you know, this guy was better than me. This guy knows more than me about something, You know, so that's the type of respect that Zidane commands. So I think it's a good move for Zidane if he doesn't feel comfortable there no more. I don't know who Real Madrid is going to play some with. Also, the team is getting old. I said that at the beginning of this Champions League season, they proved me wrong and they won, but the team is getting a year older. So next year, everybody will be a year older. You got players like Modric. You got players like Sergio Ramos. You got players like Marcelo. And you got players like Cristiano Ronaldo who are already in their 30s. They're getting old. They're getting old to keep winning all these titles. So that was the news that happened on Friday. And today in the morning, what comes out? It came out that Carius the goalie, was actually hit by Sergio Ramos earlier, before Sergio Ramos injured Salah, earlier in the game. And there's some doctors in Boston that say that because Carius got hit by Sergio Ramos right in the head, he was concussed and that blocked his vision. And that might explain why he plays horribly, which makes sense because... I mean, both those goals were easily were easily his mistake. He gave away the match. I mean, it makes more sense than he just was super narrow. I don't know. It, it makes more sense to me than giving away two goals. So Sergio Ramos is the MVP now because he injured um, Salah and carriers, and he's the one that won. I don't know, but... So, that's what came out today. I mean, it's good for the guy's career because Liverpool's already looking for a new goalie. And I'm sure none of the big teams are going to want him anymore after that shit. But with this, he might save his career. Who knows? I mean, I, I don't wish him any harm. I don't wish him anything bad. But I am a soccer critic. And I you got to say what you got to say, man. The, if it wasn't because of that, if it was just a normal normal playing Then he was garbage that night. And if it was that, if he couldn't see, he should have said something and he should have went to the bench and got somebody else. And I know the soccer player always wants to keep on playing, but he should have done it for the team. After he made that first mistake, he should have seen. shit, I never saw him. I should maybe leave the game. I can't be goalie anymore, you know? So that's what happened in the Champions League final. Congratulations to Real Madrid and the well-deserved third championship and... That's what I wanted to say about today. So now let's just move in. Into a 1978 World Cup. And yeah. So we'll do that right now. Uh, 1978 World Cup. We had a. The World Cup. Was in Argentina. First and only World Cup. That was ever in Argentina. Um, At this time. um, Argentina had never won a World Cup. And there was even a saying back then. That said that if you had one Argentinian on your team, you had a really good team. If you had two Argentinians on your team, you were gonna win the championship. But if you had three Argentinians on your team, your team was garbage. What basically what they were trying to say is that Argentinians can't play together. Like they they just couldn't form a good team. And even though they had great, excellent players, they couldn't have a great team. But we'll see what happens with them. So they were the host, they were automatically qualified. West Germany, who were champions, qualified also. Um, From Asia, Iran qualified. From Africa, Tunisia qualified. From the CONCACAF, North America, Mexico qualified. Mexico's back in the World Cup. And this 1978 team is the last garbage Mexican soccer team. So I'm glad I don't have to talk about Mexico being garbage after today. But as the worst Mexican, one of the worst Mexican teams in 1978, From, um, they had Hugo Sanchez, who was like 18 years old at the time, maybe a little older, maybe like 20 or eight at the time, and that's basically, like, like he's known for that World Cup, but Mexico had a really bad team, but they, they didn't think they had a bad team, but they had a bad team. You have from South America, Brazil and Peru, and then from Europe, you have Austria, France, Hungary, Italy, the Netherlands, Poland, Scotland, Spain, Sweden. And that was it. And a few people that didn't qualify were Uruguay, first time they didn't qualify in 20 years. And England didn't qualify. Belgium didn't qualify. Those were the teams that were missing. And um, the 1978, the, in 1976, there was a coup in Argentina. Um, uh, whoever was president at the time, not, I'm not really good at this particular history, Argentinian history, but there was a coup. So whoever the president was, some people from the military took over. And a lot of countries didn't want to go play because they thought um they didn't want to play because it was a military coup. But they still ended up playing. The Netherlands best player, Johan Cruyff, did not want to go to that World Cup. At that time, in the 1970s, it was said that he didn't go to the World Cup because... He hated the military coup, and he was anti with the government. Now, before he died, because he died a few years ago, he's, he, he said that it wasn't that, that it was that his family was almost kidnapped in Barcelona once, and that his head wasn't in soccer anymore. And in order to play in the World Cup, you have to be 200% in it, and he just wasn't in it. He wasn't feeling it. But the Netherlands still went, and they still had a great team. You had um, the same format as the last World Cup. I think uh, 16 teams, 4 groups, 2 points for a win, 1 point for a tie, 0 points for a loss. The best two teams qualify to the next round. But the next round is not like a quarterfinals anymore. It's the, like the last World Cup. The next round is also 2 more groups. And then the first place from each group goes to the final. And the second place goes to the third place match. So let's start Um, group A. It was um, Argentina, France, Hungary, and Italy. Uh, Argentina were the host and they had a military coup. So there's a lot of controversy about that. That the military coup needed Argentina to win. That they paid off refs and stuff like that. But nobody really knows. But there's more controversy. I'll talk about it when we get to it. Um, First match, Italy beats France 2-1. Argentina beat Hungary 2-1. Italy beats Hungary 3-1. Argentina beats France 2-1. France beats Hungary 3-1 in the last match. And then Italy beats Argentina 1-0. But Italy qualifies with 6 points. Argentina has 4 and qualifies. France eliminated with 2. Hungary eliminated with 0. And the second group was... This is a Mexico group who was West Germany, Tunisia, and Poland... Um, I've seen documentaries about this before and in Mexico, apparently they believed at the time that they would lose against West Germany, tie Poland and beat Tunisia and they would make it to the next round like that. So they were going to lose one game, tie one game, win the other one. We're going to make it to the next round like that. And the first game they played was Tunisia. So that was the game they were supposed to win, right? Mexico ended up losing 3-1. West Germany tied Poland 0-0. And then Mexico played West Germany. And West Germany beat Mexico 6-0. So now we're going to play Germany this year in, in like 10 days. And West Germany in the last time we played them in 1978. Well, that's not the last time we played them. But when we played West Germany in seventy eight, we lost 6-0. So you're going to see how much we improved since then. Poland beat Tunisia 1-0. West Germany and Tunisia was 0-0. And then Poland ended up beating us 3-1. So, it was Poland in first place with five. West Germany in second with four. Tunisia eliminated with three. And Mexico last place with zero points. So, Mexico's garbage era is done now. But, Mexico was still pretty garbage in 1978. Group three was Brazil, Austria, Spain, and Sweden. Austria beat Spain 2-1. Brazil had a really good team. And they... Tied 1-1 the first game against Sweden. I remember watching this, uh, like, video's highlights of this game when I was younger. And apparently they were tied 1-1. And there was a corner kick, minute 45. And the goalie asked... It was a corner kick in favor of Brazil. The Tied 1-1, corner kick in favor of Brazil. And the ref said that the game will be over after the corner kick. So... Brazil kicked the corner kick and the ref didn't even allow for the ball to get to the area and he beat the end of the game. When the ball got to the area, Seiko headed it in and he scored a goal. They didn't count it because according to the ref, the Sweden players have stopped playing. But if you look at the play, it happened so fast. There's no way the players stopped playing that fast. So Brazil got robbed of that, of that win. But they still tie 1-1. Next match, Austria beat Sweden 1-0 and Brazil tied Spain 0-0. Then Spain beat Sweden 1-0 and Brazil beat Austria 1-0. Which means that Austria got first place with four points. Brazil second place with four points. They tied in points while Austria scored more goals. They scored three. Brazil scored two. Spain eliminated with three. Sweden eliminated with one. That was group three. And then group four... Is Iran, the Netherlands, Peru, and Scotland. Now, Peru had a really good team around this time. Uh Peru beat Scotland 3-1. The Netherlands also had a really good team around this time. Beat Iran 3-0. Scotland and Iran tied 1-1. The Netherlands and Peru tied 0-0. And then Peru beat Iran 4-1. And Scotland beat the Netherlands 3-2. But the Netherlands still qualified because they had a better goal difference. So, Peru was in... First place with five. The Netherlands was in second with three. Scotland was in third with three. Iran was in last with one. So that was the first round. The second round, they were divided in two groups. The first group was Austria, Italy, the Netherlands, and West Germany. All European teams. Group B was Argentina, Brazil, Peru, and Poland. Three South American teams with Poland. So let's go into the first group. The first group, Austria, who had beat Brazil to make it to this group, lost 5-1 against the Netherlands. So imagine if Austria would have just scored one less goal. They would have gone to the other group, but instead they lost by the Netherlands 5-1. Italy and Ger- West Germany tied 0-0. The Netherlands and West Germany on a repeat from 1974 final tied 2-2. Italy beat Austria 1-0. Austria beat West Germany 3-2, eliminating them. And the Netherlands beat Italy 2-1. So the group ended with 4th place Austria, 2 points. 3rd place West Germany with 2 points. Italy in 2nd place with 3 points, moved on to the 3rd and 4th place match. And the Netherlands ended with 5 points in 1st place and made it to the final. their 2nd straight final for the Netherlands. And Group A, so the Group B was the most controversial one. Brazil beats Peru 3-0. Argentina beats Poland 2-0. Poland beats Peru 1-0. And then Argentina and Brazil tie 0-0. Brazil beat Poland 3-1. So with this score, Argentina needed to win by four goals in order to make it to the final. So they needed to win 4-0, 5-1, 6-2, 79 to 75, whatever, the, you know, but they needed to win by four goals. And the uh, and they ended up winning 6-0 to win, which is weird for a semifinal game to be 1-6-0 or a uh, because these are good teams. Peru had a good team. So there's so many controversies about this. Brazil never accepted the fact that there w- that there wasn't some cheating going on. There's so many different theories, right? The the main theory is that Argentina beat Peru 6-0, but the Peruvian goalie was born in Argentina. So a lot of people are like, because he was born in Argentina, he wanted Argentina to make it to the final, and Peru had no chance anymore. There's another theory that the military government paid off the referees, or there's another military that the Peruvian people made an uh, arrangement with the Argentinian people. They were going to send them I don't know how many pounds of food or they were going to send them ex convicts that they had in prisons. There's so much shit and then there's just the regular theories that they just paid the players off to lose. What Whatever happened, nobody knows, but Argentina made it to the final. Brazil beat Italy 2-1 for third place. or Brazil was third place in this World Cup. And then the final was uh, Argentina versus the Netherlands. By the way, I didn't mention this earlier, but it, it didn't get used anyways. But this was the first World Cup where the penalties were allowed. It, it didn't happen. The first penalties happened in 1982. But this was the first World Cup where a game would have been tied. Penalties would have been allowed. So the final score was uh, 1-1. Mario Kempes scored a goal in minute 38 for Argentina. The Netherlands scored another one 82 the game was 1-1 and then an extra times Argentina scored two goals and Argentina won the championship. Argentina won their first championship at home. It was proven that Argentina's could win the championship. The Netherlands lost two straight finals in 74 and 78 both of them against the home team in West Germany and in a, and now in Argentina. The West Netherlands, I mean, no, it wasn't Netherlands. They thought the game was bought too. The referee was paid off. They, they didn't even go and receive like the second place medals. They were so pissed off that Argentina did so many things, and then they like they, the crowd was hostile. Everything was bad, but Argentina was champions, and that's how those World Cup goes down. Mario Kempes, by the way, who. Um, Mario Kempes was the goalscorer. Tournament with six goals, and this Argentinian team had a few players that, uh, if you're a Mexican soccer fan, you might recognize. Um, they had Pasarela, uh, who was a he coached Monterrey to a championship in 2003. He also coached Argentina in 1988. But uh, I was talking about Mexico, and they had Tolo Gallego, who at one point was champions with Toluca, and who who also was about to coach the national team after the 2006 um, World Cup, but he ended up they ended up going with Hugo Sanchez instead of him but yeah so Argentinian team Argentina finally wins Daniel El Pasarela was the captain Mario Campes was the goal scorer Mario Campes who now works for ESPN um, in Spanish you, you, you can see him in, every time the Champions League games on they always have him on the announcing tables I think Fuera de Juegos the, the show that he works for so yeah that was the 1978 World Cup next week we go to Spain for the 1982 World Cup the first World Cup with 24 teams we'll be right back Hi, this is Alex Sakanika from Bad Shorty, where we roast all the favorite fantasy characters that you could even imagine. Very uh, fan driven, you can email us at realbadshorty at gmail.com and we will roast anything and everything that you want us to roast. You just send them in and make sure they're not real and we will give them the old good ha <laughs> ha. Alright, here on the Jester Radio Network. Thank you. Alright, everyone, well, that was today's episode, the 11th episode of the World Cup 1978 in the week of June the 4th. Next week, we're gonna do next week, which is June the 11th and 1982 World Cup, as I mentioned. And we're gonna, what I'm gonna do next week is I'm gonna give you the round 16 that I said of with the teams that I picked today that are gonna pass. And we're also gonna talk anything that comes up, any injuries that come up this week, anything new that comes up about the World Cup this week. I want to talk about it. Today we didn't get into the MLS because I didn't want to run long. and So I want to, I'm going to give you a little more on how the MLS is looking right now. Even though the players that are in the World Cup, that are already playing with their teams. Um, USA has been playing some friendly games. Everybody's playing friendly games. I'll give you the friendly games next week also. And I want to look into, give you guys the information. That actually, the Copa Libertadores is... Um, the round of 16 was already drawn today in the morning. So we know what the matchups are going to look like. The... It's not going to start after, so after the World Cup, so we're going to focus on that. I just want to give you the teams. It was a bunch of Argentinian and Brazilian teams, I think, if I'm not mistaken. It was six Brazilian teams and six Argentinians and, like, two Paraguayans, one from Chile and one from Colombia. I think that was it. No Uruguayans, no Peruvians, no, no team from Venezuela, no teams from Bolivia, no teams from Ecuador. So, yeah, so we're going to get into that next week. And like I always say, there's a lot of soccer to watch, a lot of friendly games also. One of the friendly games today that I was listening to on the radio when I was working, it was Italy against the Netherlands, the two big teams that didn't qualify tight the tie 1-1. One, one. Apparently, Italy played better the first half, and then let better the second half. I couldn't watch it. I was just listening to it on the radio, on the on the app, actually, on my phone. So we'll get more into that next week, and the World Cup's almost here. I'm getting excited. I'm in World Cup mode, man. Like I always say, um, watch some soccer, and que viva el fútbol.